0: Welcome to the Thrive for Life podcast. I am your host, Adrienne Kalbata, and I am so excited to have you here today. I'm a doctor of physical therapy, specialized in orthopedic conditions, but most of all, I'm just a passionate mom that's part of the healthcare team, and I want to share these fun and insightful conversations that I have with a variety of experts. We share up-to-date medical information and current best practices all related to improving our health that's way better than your doctor Google search from strength training and tips for runners, ways to stay strong and pain-free as an active and busy mom, optimizing your nutrition, recovery, and so much more. I hope this podcast helps guide you towards thriving in this life you're in, and thank you for listening in. Now, let's get to the show. On today's episode i am joined by brooke czarnecki of intentful nutrition brooke is a registered sports dietitian and run coach and she is passionate about helping runners and athletes stay properly fueled to not only perform better but to stay healthy throughout our life we discussed challenging times during during her pregnancy tips to help runners know if they are fueling efficiently common eating issues with runners why you shouldn't freak out if the numbers on the scale increase with a change in your diet, and so much more. Seriously, this episode is packed with information, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Stay tuned. Hi, Brooke. How are
1: you today? Welcome. Thank you, Adrian. Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing great. Happy to be here with
0: you. Yeah. You just caught back from a big move from Alaska all the way to Missouri. Are you all settled in now? Yes,
1: we are most of the way settled in. Thank goodness. Um, It was quite the trek. We were 13 days on the road of like seven hours of driving every single day. Um, So it's been really nice just to like be in one location, have all our things back. Um, Thankfully, our things got shipped pretty quick. So we weren't without our things for too long. But yeah, it's been we're we're feeling good.
0: (laughs) And how is this time of year in Missouri? How's the weather?
1: Well, for us Alaskans, it's quite warm, but it's, it's nice. We're adjusting to the heat. It's like sunny every day, seventies, eighties. So like I said, that's like about as hot as it gets in Alaska. We only see that, you know, a couple days a year. Um, so for this to be the norm, it's like, okay, we got to We
0: got to adjust, but we're doing all right. <laughs> awesome. Well, if you ever make it out to Hawaii, it's pretty temperate the whole year round. So so, so funny
1: that you say that because like on our Alaska bucket list was like, we have to go to Hawaii. And we, we did, we went to Hawaii in December, we went to Maui, um, and it was just paradise. Like mm-hmm. I want to go back there so bad.
0: It was amazing. Well, whenever you're ready, you have to let me know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, first, thank you so much for being here on my podcast. This is my first podcast. So I really I'm excited to have somebody on board and somebody completely out of my um, my field. I'm a physical therapist and integrating some kind of nutrition dietitian into um, my practice is going to be such a valuable asset. So thank you for agreeing to be on here today. So yeah. um, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and why you started your business?
1: Absolutely. So... My name is Brooks Zarnicki. I am a registered dietitian. I specialize in endurance sports and also disordered eating and eating disorders. So I got into my business. I started my business right out of college, essentially. Um, I really saw a need for more education around like proper nourishing, proper nourishment within the, the sports community. Um, there's a lot of diet culture out there. When I say diet culture, I just mean like, you know, a lot of people are all about fasting and low carb and all the things. And there's just not a lot of like really good education out there. That's fact-based, um, out in the world. So a lot of, you know, why I started my business is to help spread the word about proper fueling and also having a positive relationship with food because a lot of athletes, runners, especially, um, which is most of the people that I work with have a very negative relationship with food. They use running to compensate for, you know, their diet, And I just want to create more balance in people's lives when it comes to their nutrition. So they don't feel like they're either all in or all out. Um, So that's, you know, a lot of what I do and I use, you know, a lot of, I have a lot of personal experience too, with disordered eating. And so I also come from that background. Um, But with my education, with my personal experience, I feel like I'm, I'm able to serve my clients really well. So um, I love what I do. I've been doing it for about three years now and it's great. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so awesome. tell me, I know you are currently pregnant and mm-hmm. how many weeks are you right now?
1: So tomorrow you can tell us my first, cause I know exactly like how many weeks I am, uh, <laughs> tomorrow I will be 27 weeks. So one more week of the second trimester.
0: <laughs> yeah. How have you been feeling overall?
1: <laughs> Pretty good. Um, first trimester, you know, rough in terms of energy levels, but thankfully I was, I was only nauseous for a couple of weeks and never threw up or anything. So I feel pretty lucky. Um, second trimester has been honestly like great. Um, I've definitely pared down, you know, my running a lot just for comfort reasons and energy levels. i just haven't been super energetic. Um, but I'm curious, you know, how the, how the third trimester will grow go as I continue to grow and, just, you know, get more uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You sound just like me. My first trimester, I was nauseous for a little while. I think maybe just a couple of weeks, but I never threw up and I was still able to do active things, but definitely not to the intensity I was before I was pregnant, even though it didn't look pregnant or anything like that. It was just energy levels is seriously sucked out of you. So, I mean, you're all growing a human being in there. so. Awesome. Has any of your diet changed at least in the first trimester? Maybe definitely anything changed in the second?
1: Yeah. So first trimester, honestly, it was just about getting through it. Like, and this is what I tell my clients too, that I don't, I don't work with a lot of pregnant clients, but, um, a couple of my clients that I worked with previously are now pregnant. So they've, you know, they've come to me just for, for some general advice and, the, the, the best advice that I give and that I gave to myself that I tried to, you know, give to myself was you just got to eat what sounds good. You know, something is better than nothing. I was doing a lot of carbs, um, not a lot of protein and you just kind of have to trust the process, you know, like that's what the first trimester is about is just getting through it nutritionally. Um, I relied on a lot of dairy products for my protein. Um, I really couldn't do any eggs. I, Oh, chicken was so bad, you know, like pork beef. Like I really couldn't do much of that stuff. So I had a lot of dairy based proteins, cold proteins. Um, cause that can help with nausea is just drinking cold things or eating cold things. Um, okay. because the scents aren't like going up your nose when it's like steaming and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. and then, you know, like I said, just, it was a lot of carbs, like all the bagels, all the toast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and a lot
0: of ginger had a lot of ginger yeah, for the nausea. Yeah. So yeah. lemon ginger tea was like my, my go-to for sure. And sometimes yeah. awesome. Okay. And well, we, you kind of spoke about what made you go into dietetics a little bit, Um mm-hmm. but was it specifically you got into endurance at endurance athletes because you are yourself an endurance athlete, or was there a reason why you got into that niche? Niche? Yeah.
1: So this is actually my second niche. Um, my, I first started out working with perimenopausal women and Mm -hmm. I did that because, well, you know, I was experiencing like my, a lot of my aunts, my mom, they were all going through that timeframe. And they were like, what the heck is going on with my body? Like, people don't talk about this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that really piqued my interest. And I started working with that population also because that population has been really inundated with the diet culture messaging and the yo-yo dieting and like, try this new diet, try this, try that. Um, So I felt that there was a large need to serve that population. What I found though, is that I really did have trouble relating to them because I was not a middle-aged woman. Like I am in my twenties. Um, but I really liked working with perimenopausal women who were also endurance athletes because I could relate to that population and I knew more of that lifestyle. So I did transition my niche after about a year of working with perimenopausal women, um, to working mostly with endurance based athletes. And because yes, I can relate a little bit more. I understand that lifestyle. And honestly, like when you think about nutrition, with endurance sports, like there's a lot more purpose behind your nutrition. So I just like having, you know, that athlete mindset where it's like, I'm fueling my body for my activity. It's super fun to think about it like that. And I'm really into helping athletes like perfect their fueling plan. So that is, you know, why, or how I got into working with endurance
0: athletes. Yeah. I can totally relate. That's really cool. Cause I, I almost enjoy food, even more when I, when I know it's like, Oh, this is really going to help my performance and make me feel better. And it kind of just is a, um, an interplay with the, with the two that's it's, it, it's directly correlated to each other. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's, what's so cool is there's, there's function and there's purpose behind what you're doing when, when you're relating it to athletics. I mean, there's lots of, you don't have to be active for your nutrition to have a purpose, but it does give it a different, a different mm-hmm. spin.
0: Yeah, for sure. And there's so many aspects to affect our performance. And um, I mean, strength training is something that I'm into for my athletes. So, but there's a whole other aspect of what makes your performance um, either peak or not. You whether you don't perform or you underperform. So, nutrition is a huge aspect of what how you're going to perform. So that's really cool. Um, can you give us some tips on? How to help runners to know if they're fueling efficiently.
1: Yes. This is one of the biggest, the biggest things that I talk about on my Instagram. I'm really passionate about making sure runners are not underfueled. Um, because that is the number one issue that I see in my practice is underfueling. Yeah. Whether that's intentional or unintentional, I find that you know, a lot of times it's unintentional because you're not getting hungry. So one of the first red flags to know, like, okay, am I fueling properly is like, are you okay, let me start over symptoms of underfueling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> low appetite or no appetite, um, constipation, like constipation is not going to the bathroom every day. Um, Low energy. So you feel like you, you know, you have like these energy slumps in the afternoon where you're like, I need to take a nap at two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, cravings. So if you feel like you're somebody that's constantly craving carbohydrates, you're constantly craving sweets, or you're constantly thinking about food, that's another major red flag of underfueling. Um other more like physiological base based things is like lack of sleep. So if you're not able to sleep all at night, you find yourself waking up in the middle of the night frequently, you have night sweats. Um, you're cold all of the time you lose your menstrual cycle. That's a really big one. Um, all of those are signs and symptoms of under fueling. And when I work with my athletes on increasing their overall intake, some of the things that we see almost immediately is an improvement in sleep improvement in the gut function. So the constipation goes away. You know, I, I also have a lot of athletes tell me like I suddenly became sensitive to gluten and dairy. And that was never a thing for me. And now, you know, I, I feel like I have a lot of gut distress. So gut distress is resolved almost immediately when you start to fuel the body properly, um, that increase in energy, they feel like they aren't having that afternoon slump, um, brain fog clears up. So they're not like just kind of dragged down. They're not in a hot, like hazy fog all of the time. Um, and there was another one that totally just slipped my mind, but those are some of the things that I see in my practice in terms of like, how do you know if you're not eating enough versus if you are eating enough without having to track calories?
0: Yeah. I think I remember seeing that post of yours. You also added mood swings was another one.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you for bringing that one up. Cause that one is huge. Um, especially also like mood disorders. So anxiety mm-hmm. and depression is, you know, really prevalent and not to say that, by eating enough food you're going to cure it but what i do see is a major improvement in symptoms so a lot of times you know when your blood sugar is low you're more anxious so i see a lot of times where my athletes will tell me i just feel a lot more balanced throughout the day with my mood i feel like i can tackle stress a little bit easier i don't feel like i'm you know on the verge of a breakdown every moment of the day i feel i just feel like i can handle my emotions a little bit better um and i know for me personally my anxiety is so much worse when I'm not eating enough. And that was really hard for me in my first trimester because I, it was a really, it was hard for me to eat enough in my first trimester. Um, and so my anxiety was a lot worse, also the hormones, but just, you know, those kinds of things are all
0: tied into, to your nutrition. That's really interesting. Awesome. So I have a patient that he's an older elite level cyclist, and he has been since for 30 years or so. And um, he had all, he always had questions about his diet and I was just like, I really need to connect him with, um, a local dietitian. So I am met a really great one. She does work with endurance athletes. So this is before we met. So just saying, <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the key things that she found in his diet was that he was not eating enough carbohydrates and, um, in between like because he would be actively seeing her while he was seeing me and just like she wants me to eat all these carbs you know and like I'm worried that I'm going to gain weight and then so I think that right now he's in this struggle of he sees the scale increasing and as a cyclist he wants to maintain a certain level of weight because he's associating it with a level of performance and seven heavier it's going to be harder but On the flip side of things, she's trying to change his mindset on like, but you may have more energy to do these longer rides because every weekend he's at least cycling two plus hours. So um, he's going to need that fuel. So have you seen that anxiety in people that are an endurance athlete and having trouble with seeing the numbers on the scale increase?
1: Totally.
0: Yes. I'm so glad
1: that you brought that to the conversation. Um, that's probably, again, one of the things that is the hardest struggle to, to get through when you are on this journey of fueling your body for performance, even just fueling your body for day-to-day nourishment, um, increasing carbohydrates is a very common recommendation that I have as well, because we're in this low carb craze right now and in just society. So athletes this does not apply to athletes. Like athletes need enough carbohydrates to sustain their energy levels and upwards of 50% of your diet needs to be carbohydrates. And I'm not talking like carbohydrates from, you know, potatoes and your fruits, like carbohydrates from rice, from bread, from pasta, you got to have those hearty carbohydrates. Um, and with that oftentimes does come weight gain, not always, but because carbohydrates store more water in the body. So a lot of times it's, it's an immediate water retention. And then other times athletes do need to gain weight to be properly nourished. And my, my statement that I always come back to with my athletes that have a lot of anxiety about weight gain, which understandably, so we live again in a society that values a thin body and we associate having a thin body with being faster, being stronger, especially in the cycling world. Um, But I tell them, you know, when you are, if you are properly nourishing your body, you're not overeating and you gain weight, that means that your body needed that weight to be at its strongest self at its highest performing self. So your body is not going to put on unnecessary weight again, when you are properly nourishing your body, when you're eating enough energy or calories to support your training.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's, it's a big mental shift for these athletes. So I'm really glad that you brought that up too. Thank you. Um, all right. What else do we have? So what are the most, you already touched on this, but, um, what are the, some of the most common issues you see in eating with your runners?
1: Yeah. So definitely the under eating mm-hmm. again, whether intentional or not the low carbohydrate craze is huge. You know, a lot of times I see the clean eating trend, right? That's like a huge thing right now is I'm trying to eat clean. I'm trying to eat minimally processed foods, which is wonderful. But a lot of times that gets taken too far and people aren't eating things like pasta or things like rice, um, or they're eating a ton of fiber. And what happens when we're eating too much fiber, cause there is a such thing as too much fiber. I know that there are people out there that will be like, there's no such thing as too much fiber. Yes, there is, especially with athletes. Um, what I see is that they start filling up on fibrous foods, like fruits, veggies, You know they're eating these big salads for lunch, and they're like, "I'm so full. Like I'm so full. I'm so bloated. There's no way that I'm under eating." And I'll take a look at their food log, and I'm like, "Well, hey, you're eating two salads a day. That means you're eating a lot of fiber. That means you're getting a lot of gas creation in your body, and so it's a false fullness. You're getting full." From fiber, but you're not getting full from adequate calories or adequate energy. So that's probably one of the biggest things that I see in terms of like, you know, a, a prime example is just eating way too much fiber and not enough calories, overall calories, because you're getting full on that fiber and then you're getting those GI, you know, issues from that.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. That makes a lot of sense, though, because you feel full, but you're actually undernourishing because of the quality of, things that you're eating is just not full with the nutrients that you need. Hmm. Totally. A lot of like
1: high fiber foods are also very low calorie foods. So, you know, for somebody that it's like the weight loss hacks, like that's a weight loss hack. Right. But that's not the point of fueling your body for sport. Like we're not trying to lose weight. We're trying to be strong and fuel our body properly. So it's really easy
0: to get caught in that trap. Yep. And we don't want to fall in traps. We want to create lifestyle habits that are sustainable right because that's that's the I don't, I don't know the right word is diet your your eating style your however we're gonna say it. um it could, i mean it is that diet, can, sure. yeah, diet yeah diet something that we can stick with that we enjoy that's sustainable that's matching the demands of what our life is at the present moment so totally. with that like in your experience how long does it take to establish a new habit slash eating lifestyle diet. Mm -hmm. It totally depends on the person. Mm -hmm. You know, some people that I work
1: with, it's like immediate, all they needed was to sign up with me to work with me to make these shifts because they were ready. They felt like they, you know, they knew they needed to do it Mm -hmm. and other people, it takes a little bit of time because there's, there's some hesitation. You know, there might be some history of like an eating disorder or history of a diet And they have a lot of beliefs that we have to break down before they can really fully embrace, you know, nourishing their body adequately. And so it really depends on the person, but I typically have my athletes sign on with me for at least three months to start because any sort of behavior change is going to take time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's why these like 30 day quick fixes don't stick because they're not long-term. And, you know, that's why I tell my clients, like, anytime we do something, I want you to think about, can you do this for the rest of your life? Like, can you do this for years and years? Because if, if not, then we're not going to, it's not going to stay and it's not going to be sustainable. So it truly depends on the person and in their level of not only motivation, but also just where they're at with the relationship with food.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Um. So we have a couple, like four questions that we got from our, from the poll that I put up on Instagram, if we can just quickly go through them. They had some good ones and one fun one. So the first one was where slash, how should I start to work on my diet? It's holding back my fitness.
1: Yes. This is like one of really like basic and like, there's so many different ways we could go about this, but Mm -hmm. some of the some of the first things I work on with my clients is consistent eating patterns. So if you are somebody that is currently skipping meals or you're currently skipping snacks, start there, like commit, commit yourself to three square meals a day and no, if, no ifs, ands, or buts trying to go more than three to four hours without eating. That's one of my very first, I don't want to say rules, but guidelines that I implement with my athletes, because if you are going this long without eating, you're not getting enough energy into your body to then have, you know, the performance benefits that you want. So consistent eating patterns is definitely the first place I would start and tell yourself, okay, I'm not going to go more than three to four hours without eating. And I'm not going to skip any meals today.
0: Okay. Interesting. So if this person, let's say, isn't hungry, but it is at that like four hour mark, do you recommend somebody to fuel with something small. I do. Yep. Cause that's that's where that under fueling comes in, right?
1: Like when you're underfueled, oftentimes your appetite just isn't there. And so I'll have athletes tell me like, I can't fathom eating something in the morning because I'm just not hungry. And I say, like that is a, a telltale sign that your metabolism is is slow. Like it needs it needs to be re, revamped and reinvigorated. Mm-hmm. Um so yep if even if you're not hungry at that four hours, eat something anyway. Okay. Waking up hungry
0: is a good, is a great thing then. It is. It's a sign of a very healthy metabolism. Okay, cool. I woke up hungry this morning and I did. <laughs> a great, great cool <laughs> okay. Um freaking a breakfast, brownies for breakfast? Yay or nay?
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm all about it. Like there's no rules here, you know? Like have some brownies if you want some brownies. Of course, I'm going to encourage you to have it with, you know, like a protein and a fat to make it satisfying and balanced. Um, because a brownie for breakfast is going to go right through you and you're going to be hungry in like 30 minutes. So, Mm -hmm. you know, add some nuts, add some peanut butter, you know, have, have some yogurt or something with it. Um, But yeah, spice it up.
0: Yeah. So round it out. Okay. And um, how long before should I fuel for a run? Is it okay to run fasted if it's just a couple miles? Yeah. So I'm
1: never a fan of fasted running, especially for women and our hormones. Um, it just puts a lot of stress on our body and we fast every single night. So the benefits of fasting are there at nighttime. Um, and then, so I always encourage something, even if it's small, like a handful of pretzels or a couple pieces, like a couple of pieces of graham cracker or crackers, um, a banana, like just something super small. It will help even if it's only for a couple miles, um, always, always, always encouraging something. And then you can do this leading right up to your run or right up to your exercise. Um, and I, you know, there's some days where I'm like running out the door and I'm putting some like gummies in my mouth or something. So I typically tell people try to get something within that hour before you're heading out. And, you know, you can have it right up to two to three minutes before you leave, as long as it's something that's carbohydrate based, So carbohydrates are the easiest to digest. Again, they are our body's primary energy source, especially for runners. That's the fuel. That's literally the fuel that your body is running on. When we have things like protein and fats pre-workout within that first hour, even within like two hours before a run, it's going to sit really heavy in our systems or even before a workout. Um, it's just going to sit really heavy. It doesn't digest as quickly as a carbohydrate and you're going to feel like you're working out with some like a
0: rock in your stomach. So stick to things like carbohydrates right before. All right. Awesome. Okay. And last question, should I eat lighter on days I'm inactive? How much lighter? Yes. So I always like to reframe this.
1: Your body has baseline needs every single day. Mm -hmm. So I want you guys to start thinking about eating like without activity. That is my baseline level of what I need to be eating. So when I start to add in exercise, you also need to add in more food. So it's not that you're eating less on your rest days is that you're eating more on your workout days to support that increase in energy. And, you know, to, to better answer this question to not be like, so, you know, like technical with the terms, um, I never have my athletes like eat more on a, like heavy workout day than a rest day. I always keep things the same. And that's just for, you know, purposes of making sure that your body is getting replenishment on the rest days. If you're somebody that maybe you work out, you know, five to six days a week and your rest days, you feel more hungry. You absolutely should not eat less on that day. That means that your body is in repair and recovery mode, and it's actually in catch-up mode. So oftentimes rest days can serve as really, really great catch-up days to make up for those really heavy days where maybe you didn't get enough food um to support you know that level of activity that you were doing so i hope that answers that question
0: yes yeah that makes a lot of sense i mean i think like, this is a great question for me because that that was something that i was wondering as well um cuz sometimes you just want to it's like well i didn't do anything but just sit around sit around i did a bunch of work on the computer i really don't need that much energy, but then if you are thinking of it on a broader scale, like this week I'm going to go for a longer run and I need to be adequate with a field for the thing that the days ahead or and catching up like you said. So that's a really yeah. it's a better way to reframe that thought. Great. Absolutely. Well you brought up some really great topics and I learned a lot certainly. So thank you. Um so lastly, I, I want my viewers and my listeners to be able to find you. What's the best way for people to find you,
1: Brooke? Yeah, Instagram. I'm always hanging out on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is at Intentful Nutrition. And I also have a brand new podcast. It's called the Actively Fueled Podcast that's available on Spotify. As of right now, I'm working on getting out on other platforms, but I have to remember my Apple ID and we all know how that goes. <laughs> so it's not yet on Apple Podcasts. Um, but Instagram and my podcast are the best ways to contact me and my DMS are always open. Like I'm very responsive in there. So yeah, if you resonated with this episode and you want to come find me on Instagram and you have more questions, I'm, I'm all
0: yours. Yeah. Brooke is the best. She really is responsive and all her content is very well balanced and just great information for not only athletes, but just if you're a human, just look on her Instagram with some really great information for us to stay healthy with our diet. So thank you so much, Brooke. I appreciate your time. Um, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you. Okay. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening in on my first podcast with Brooke from Intentful Nutrition. I hope you all learned something valuable about improving your relationship with food how we can stop demonizing carbohydrates, especially if we're an athlete, and I hope you connect with her because she really is passionate about helping people build sustainable lifestyle changes within their diet, avoiding fad diets, and that hustle mentality culture out there around food and fitness. We all need to be mindful about our habits around food and how it fuels our Our daily life and the activities that we love. So, thank you again for listening and stay tuned for more.